Right, so welcome to No Chop Days on, on the OOB. This is, this is the strangest system I've ever used. I'm using Zoom. Usually we'd use StreamYard, but I'm using Zoom. And it opened up another window, and it basically gave me what we're seeing in front of us right now, but with the, the, the text, the, the, the chat facility. But I could also hear myself. So there's like a seven-second delay, and I could hear myself. And you guys could hear as well, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so there was no point in keeping that window open. So I closed it. So fuck it. We're not going to have any distractions now. Here we are. It's another European championships roundup. Um, Rod is very happy, as you can see on his face. Uh, Wales are through. But we're not going to go into that just yet because I want to do a post-mortem of England because I know many outlets have done it already. But I think, you know, we were speaking about uh, the match at great length, the preview of it, so to speak. Um, the other night and we were talking about what England should do and Steve you say England should play with pace play with Rashford play with Sancho get out the three central defenders of Scotland and I thought Scotland might change out I thought that Clark might change it up a little bit but he kept the same system he brought in Gilmore with McTominay and I'll tell you what from every player to a man phenomenal Scotland performance phenomenal yeah, obviously hard to disagree. Uh, full of heart, um, endeavour, uh, and obviously they grew into the the game, believing that um, you know. I think they realised quite early they were in the game equally, and they weren't going to lose. And uh, in the end, it felt like England possibly were even uh, settling for a for a point and making sure they didn't lose the game themselves. And uh, whilst the effort remained all the way through till full time, I'm not too sure the adventure did for either team really. And uh, because of that, Scotland got more credit out of it than England. So when you look at Scotland's performance against uh, Czech Republic the other day, or the, the game before the first game, their first game, there's obviously a, a big difference in terms of a performance, in terms of desire, in terms of everything. They got everything spot on. They were throwing bodies in front of the ball. There's a, a massive bundle on the edge of the six-yard box. It was just like pub football. But for me... You know what? Everyone always seems to rule out the Scots, right? And the one thing I will say, they never back down. They never shirk a challenge. And I don't know whether it's just embedded in their DNA. I don't know whether it's because it was England. It was like their cup final. But I had a feeling that Scotland would get something out of this game. And some people laughed at me, even Leon Knight, when I did the preview with him at the beginning of the tournament. He was saying, no, 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 no. Scotland, I'm not going to do anything against England. I'm like, listen, you cannot take these players lightly because a lot of them, Playing the Premier League. So it's not as if, you know, it was back in the 70s. I mean, a lot of the Scottish players were playing in Division One in the 70s anyway. Like, you know, So it's, it's no real difference. So it's not as if they're playing for Kilmarnock or they're playing for Wraith Rovers or Albion Rovers. They're playing for, you know, Man United. They're playing for, for Liverpool. They're playing for Arsenal. So there's going to be no pushover. So I, like I said, it didn't surprise me that Scotland got something out of it, but I've got to commend them because a lot of people wrote them off. Oh, yeah. Um, and and me, me too. But I'm going to just hold judgment, Stell, if you don't mind. And obviously, yeah. Rodri will have an opinion. But they've, they've got another game now against Croatia. And for me, that'll be the measure. That'll be the barometer of, of you know, whether they just get themselves super up for, for one game and they can't do it four or five days later. If they do it again and back it up with the same effort, a similar performance and even go further and get a result, then we'll really take our, our hats off to, to them. But... Uh, I'm just going to hold now because, um, you know, it's great doing it against your old enemy. 
they called it a derby. The, you know, you know, and so on and so forth. The old enemy is more is more appropriate. Let's see how they do in midweek, and um, I'll 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 go stronger with my opinion after that. Okay, well, let's talk about England then, because we've praised Scotland and Rod. Where do we begin with this one? Raheem Sterling had a pretty decent game. A lot of people got on his back. I don't think that's fair. I don't, I don't think Foden had a good game. Okay, he, he had spells where he got on the ball, did well. But then even when they made the substitutions, they brought in Jack Grealish. Grealish didn't do too much. He was crowded out. Harry Kane was taken off. And a lot of people are saying, oh, my goodness, Harry Kane didn't have a good game. Well, you know, the manager's got to make, make big decisions. And I've always said that Gareth Southgate hasn't got the balls to do it. All right, he showed one of his balls. As far as I'm concerned, but I don't know. What, what did you make of England's performance? Um, well, it was bad um, for, for England's standard, really. You know, you, you can't get credit to Scotland. You know, they, they played very well. They kept the ball very well. Billy Gilmore, you know, which was no surprise because he's done it for Chelsea when he first came to Chelsea, he was running the match, and you know, he's playing against players that he played. In week in week out at Chelsea, so yeah, it was it was it was not good for you know. He, you can't really blame the manager. He's put the team out, and they just haven't performed really. They them not ball well. You know, not really created much. Harry Kane was dropping too deep. You know, you know, should he have gone with two at the back? Should he have just you know kept the ball more and had more of of a ball retention? But have they got someone? For that, I'm pretty sure Grealish can keep the ball. He could have done that, but you know he went this with the same team, which you can't really go against because they got they got a good result. So it was just the players that didn't perform really on the day, and, and they've got a chance to put it right against Croatia. Well, they went with Reese James at right back. They went with Luke Shaw at left back. So natural positions. They kept uh, Declan Rice and. Um, Calvin Phillips. Notice he's not the uh, Yorkshire Pillow anymore. But when it came to, as I said, the big decisions, I'm I'm shocked why he didn't go with Rashford to start. I'm surprised why why they didn't follow what Steve said in terms of the pace. Because let's be honest, Robertson and Tierney like to overlap. They like to get forward. So there's going to be space in behind or in in that area, or so you'd imagine. Every time England got forward, Scotland got so many men behind the ball and they could have won it. Shea Adams had a great chance. Uh, there was a save from Pickford as well. So it's not as if it was one-way traffic. Yeah, I know, but John Stones really should have scored early on. That would have changed the game. But, um, yeah, the, the players just didn't perform. Still, you know, they didn't perform on the day. And that's it, really. It was a big letdown in Scotland. Did very, very well, Shea. Shea Adams, you know, was 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 a danger for England all game. He did really really well till he went off. And like I say, you know, Tommy was quite comfortable. were quite comfortable about. You know, we was, we was wary about Hanley, but you know, he had his cigar out. To be honest, he didn't really get pushed, or you know, it was just quite easy for him, which was a surprise. You'd think Harry Kane would, would probably sit on him, but he could instead he was dropping deep and trying to get the ball and. Yeah, it was just a <clears throat> easy day for really for the back three, and uh, the lads in, in front of them did, did a good job. McGinn, was it McCall- was it not McAllister? It was McGinn, but Gilmore, 
Um, no, in the middle, centre centre midfield. It was it McGinn, Gilmore. It wasn't Armstrong, was it? It was the other kid. Adam. Was that? I can't think who it was. No, Armstrong came on. No, Armstrong come on, didn't he? Was it McAllister or McCarthy? Oh, uh, McGinn, McGregor. McGregor, that was it, McGregor. Yeah, so they did very, very well against, you know, Phillips. Rice was was poor uh, to his standard. Uh, and Phillips didn't really have a great game either. So, you know, Foden didn't really have a great game. You know, Usain Sterling did okay. Well, what did he do? You know, his job is to create and, and or to score goals. He didn't do anything. He was on for Should he been given a penalty, though? No. No? That, Come on, come on. I'm asking well, to be fair, is... if you're looking at the sending off then today, then probably. But no, it's soft. Soft. Yeah, but it's a foul, no? He's been someone trod on his foot. Well, no, it's, it's not a foul, it's an penalty. <laughs> if, if Raheem Sterling was Gareth Bale, is that a penalty, Rod? I don't. If the ref gives it, you say, well, you know, it's, but he hasn't given it. It's, you know, it would have been soft. No, no, no. I'm asking you if Garrett Raheem Sterling had a I would have red the same, shirt. I would have the same. I would have the same opinion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. If it was a Slovakian, then oh fuck off! <laughs> what have they done to you, man? Jesus. All right. Okay. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Because I don't know. I can't remember if I, if I mentioned this on the last show or the show before, but for me, it appears that there's a lot of nepotism in the game. And, um, you know, Gareth Southgate appears to be getting away with murder. And it's almost as if, you know, because of his connection with the likes of Gary Neville and Rio Ferdinand, players that he played alongside, Jamie Carragher, it's almost as if they're not giving him any stick because of the way Gareth Southgate and the FA have dealt with the, the media, allowing them access to the players, you know, giving them as much time as they need, exclusive interviews, all that kind of stuff that you see more and more these days. It seems to me that if this result happened under Roy Hodgson or Capello or McLaren or Graham Taylor, etc., etc. All these other previous managers, it would have been a, it would have been completely different. I look at the headlines, the Daily Mirror, Gareth Southgate in agreement with Graham Sooners over struggling Harry Kane. That was a headline, right? The Sun, fans are entitled to react however they want. We understand their reaction. Gareth Southgate has his say on England fans being the team off the pitch, right? Uh, the players will learn from it and bounce back. England boss Gareth Southgate urges fans not to turn on young stars after they, after they were booed. This is the Daily Mail. Um, and then it's got a quote from Jamie Carragher. By substituting the captain, Gareth Southgate shows that he has options rather than relying heavily on a striker. Before I ask your opinion, guys, I'm going to bring in um, Gooney because he's joining us late. Unfortunately, where is he? Is he here? Here he is. He's muted himself, but he's here. Oh. Here we go. So sorry, lads. Just had a uh, bit of a Father's Day craziness uh, today. So I've just stepped go. in a little late. I am as sober as a judge. 
good, good. Goonie, welcome to the show, mate. We're live at the moment. Um, welcome to the show. This is the Goonie from Man Knows Football. Um, What's going on, lads? Evening, mate. All right? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well, thanks. Good to meet you both. Nice. You're, in the, U, you're in the US of A, aren't you? What time, is it, what time is it there? It is 4.51 right now. Mm. Yeah. 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 East Coast, then, yeah. Sorry, say that again? East Coast, and yeah, yeah, I'm on the east side, baby. There you go. Well, look, before we continue our discussion, tell us a little bit more about your show, mate. And uh, how the fuck did you end up in, in New York? You're, okay. you're a Londoner, mate. <laughs> All right, so I'll start off with how I ended up in New York because that came first. Um, so basically, I came here in 2012, I just wanted to relax. Um, I had a bit of a knee injury, so I was taking care of it at a gym over here. And um, the person who happened to manage the gym is my now wife, who I now have two children with. So um, that's what landed me here in New York. So my wife... Brain together, stay together, yeah? That's the one, yeah, basically. <laughs> so the, the, the Man Knows Football channel came about because um, I missed football a lot. Um, and just the, just the culture from back home. Um, I got into coaching. I did I did a season at South Bronx United, U19s with them. That was very successful. I did the double with them. Um, and then it was just like, I still miss an aspect of football. So the football factory is who I got a, a partnership with where I do the fan camps. So I used to head down there and I used to watch games because the atmosphere just reminded me of back home. And that's a pub or a bar out there, yeah? It's a bar, yeah. Right. So the atmosphere just made me feel like, literally, you step in there, it's just like you're in England when, it, when, when the Prem games are on. So I just loved it there. So then afterwards, I just, I just started speaking to the fans and eventually it was like, well, why not just get them in, in front of a camera and just, just interview? And that's where Mando's football came from. Happy days. Happy days. There you go. Yeah. See, everything derives from somewhere. Long may continue, mate. You're doing, you're doing a fantastic job at the moment. Thank you. Thank you. Right. I, I just asked the lads a question. I was getting to ask the question because I seem to like uh, deviate from the subject. But what I was getting at is that Gareth, South, Gareth Southgate has got a lot of friends in the press, uh, be yeah. it pundits, ex-teammates, or because of the way that he's treated the media, giving them access to players and whatnot. And it's almost as if he's bulletproof at the moment. And I haven't seen much criticism of him on social media. I've seen it from football fans, but I haven't seen it from members of the press. I haven't heard it on the radio. So, Steve, what is your take on this, mate? Because, you know, you know the game inside out. You've coached at the highest level. So when you nice. see stuff like this, would you agree with what I'm saying? Or am I just being a bit too paranoid? Well, nice of you to say so. I don't know about, you know, uh, I know it inside out, but I've got an opinion. But the thing is, so is every other football fan in, in the country and all over the world and I don't think I, I'm not absolutely stuck on him but I don't think he can ever pick the correct team if England don't win the game because so many people have got an opinion backed up with social media the football media now has become fat with with pundits experts and idiots um, and he's earned the right for you know a long stay in the job in terms of you know from where he started you know albeit the missed penalty in Euro 96 the brief spell with Middlesbrough and what have you, uh, as almost like a really nice guy and he can learn on the job. Now, he's actually stacked up a bit of experience now. I didn't agree with Gary Neville the other night. I thought he was completely over the top saying England's biggest asset is the manager. 
Uh, I don't ever feel that. He doesn't inspire me. He doesn't excite me, but he doesn't have to. He just has to win football matches. And, and when he does, like the, the previous game, we were accepting of the fact that we won, but we weren't really convinced, but we won. It is tournament football. And then against Scotland, we didn't win, and nor did we deserve to. So uh, I don't actually see him as England's greatest asset, but equally, I think he has to win every game to not be judged as he, you know, uh, he's got his team right or wrong. And I think that's actually because also a lot of good work's gone on in academies over 15 or 18 years now. Still, we've got a really, really good, talented pool of players, which can probably go up to about 28 players. So everyone's going to have a different opinion. He should have played, he should have played here, that, the other. Um, it was brave that he took Kane off, but he was plodding that much and we were desperate for some pace up there. Um, that it was an easy choice, actually, when you look at it. But I think Kane would appreciate some crosses because I think he gets most of his goals from crosses. I think he would appreciate a partner up there to run centre-halves away and give him a little bit of room. But equally as well, we talk about these players, Grealish, Sancho, Foden, Mount, even Kane itself. Who's actually supposed to be starting us off in back play to bring these players into the game? So uh, I think we've got a real, real problem in centre midfield and what he's doing is playing basically two blockers because we've actually got a problem at centre-half. So uh, all in all, I'm talking and hearing myself, listen here, tournament football, you don't have to be the best team to win it, but um, I'm seeing more questions than answers uh, moving forward and I'm certainly not excited by us. Good point. And Rod, Steve mentioned your mate, Gary Neville. <laughs> Gary Neville and his comments and, and you know what we've seen it with Man United you know Rio Ferdinand Paul Scholes Roy Keane they, they defend Solskjaer and it seems to be the same sort of thing with England um, is Gareth Southgate immune to any criticism? Uh, I think you're jumping in a bit you know he's still top of the joint top of the group if they win the game you know they qualify you know if they can't be serious if they don't qualify. You not think he's going to get sacked and get roasted off the press? You can't really believe that. Well, no, but listen, Graham Taylor was a turnip, wasn't he? Sven yeah, that, was, was a that wasn't strict. That wasn't. That wasn't. It wasn't halfway through a, 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 a European tournament or a World Cup tournament. You know, you, you, you can't get negative. You know, the, the, the country turning the, the press straight away, so they're not daft. But yes, he's probably getting away with more than not more than most because of stuff you mentioned. But you know, if they, if they don't qualify, they don't do well. He's going to get roasted because this team is is a good team. It's got exciting young players, and he's going. He's not what they've scored. What one goal in one hundred and eighty minutes? That, yeah, with one one goal of all that talent in the team. You know, all that pace in the team and they've scored one goal. And you look at Italy, you look at Germany yesterday, you know, this, look at France, all right, they, won, they, they, they drew against Hungary, but look at Holland, they look exciting, you know, look at England, it's too, too old in midfield, you know, nothing really excites you, does it? No, true, true. Uh, Gooney, you're, you're in the United States and obviously the coverage out there is much different to what we expect in the UK. Um, you know, a, a lot of the pundits, I'd say, speak in cliches, you know, and I think maybe because they want to cater to a specific audience, which is understandable. But I saw someone from ESPN the other day uh, put out a tweet about uh, narratives that are created 
with regards to English players and England performances. And he said it's quite jarring. And I, I said to him, OK, I, I agree. But on the 14th of June, Alexis Nunes, who I'm sure you're aware of, uh, the, the reporter from ESPN, called Calvin Phillips the Yorkshire Peeler three, t- three times on her mm-hmm. podcast, right? On the, on the ESPN podcast. And then four days later, Steve Nicholl, the day after the England game, Steve Nicholl said, why have two defensive midfielders who are great defensively but can't get your attackers the ball? Because that's why Kane got taken off. Now, on the one hand, Alex Nunes is saying that Calvin Phillips is the Yorkshire Pirlo. And um, on the other hand, Steve Nicholl is saying on ESPN, the same, same platform, that they couldn't get the ball forward to Harry Kane. So as a, as a Brit living in the United States, what do you make of the punditry out there? Is, is it... Is it too much? <laughs> is can, it- I, can, I, can I be completely honest with you? Oh. I, ba- I barely listen to it. Honestly, I barely listen to it because um, it's, 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 like, it's like you said, but it ultimately comes down to this. Football at the end of the day, it's a game of opinions. Everyone has their opinions. And over here, I just feel like the way the message is conveyed over here in comparison to how it is in the UK is slightly different. It's more, a lot of it is a lot more opinion based. Whereas, for example, I'm coming onto your show now, you're very factual, matter of fact, here's the numbers, here's the, t- uh, the statistics, here's why. Whereas with those guys, I don't, I don't really feel that. I just feel like they're just going with what they see to the eye and they're just commenting. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not having, I'm not having a go with them. I'm not. Um, what I did, what I did want to say, because I did kind of want to answer um, the question you put to Steve and to Rodri about um, Gary Southgate, yeah. But I wanted to talk about the views here because obviously I do the fan camps. Go ahead. So there is is a, um, there are quite a lot of England fans here and the general consensus that I got from them. Now, bear in mind, like the sample pool that I'm talking about here is roughly between the ages of 23 and about 30, right? That's the main pool that I interviewed that day. And a lot of them, it's just like Rodri was saying, it's the frustration of having... The, the caliber of attackers and the youth and the excitement in the team, but we're just not, we're not seeing it. We're not seeing that attacking potential being fulfilled so far in the tournament. And another one that I got as well was the fact that why is it that England, we seem to be experimenting within the tournaments. Yeah, whereas whereas it, the Germans, the Italians, the French, um, their fans, if you speak to them before a game, they'll be able to name you about 90% of that, of that lineup and get it right roughly. Whereas with the England fans, we've got a fantastic set of players. We don't know what the lineup's going to be. We don't really have an idea what formation we're going to play. So those really were the concerns that I got from over here. It's a great show. I was going to say to you all, um, Stel, the very first game um, where, he, where he fooled us, tricked us, if you like, I was pleased. But he found a place for Kieran Trippier at left back and, you know, Phillips in midfield. But has that team, we've now started a tournament, but has that team ever played together as an 11 before for 90 minutes? I think the answer is no. No, exactly. And you go and play against Scotland, has that team ever played with James at right back, Shaw at left back, Sterling in the team? Has that team ever played together before in their careers, in their lives? The answer is no. So we've played two tournament games uh, in this competition and the team have never played to each other with each other before. And we're hoping and some are actually expecting us to win it. I just can't have that. 
Yeah, well, this is it. And I'm sure we're going to see more and more changes as, as the tournament goes on, uh, if England progress, that is. But let's talk about the next game uh, in the in the group, and that's Czech Republic against Croatia. I think there's only one major thing to discuss here, the penalty decision for the challenge on, on Schick. Now, Guni, listen, we've, we've watched football for years, you know, and I've never seen a penalty awarded for that. I've never seen a penalty awarded for that, never. Um, okay, he's gone down, bloody nose, they've gone to VAR. Okay, it, it looks bad, but that's how you jump, isn't it? I mean, you're not you're not going to jump like you're in the tin of sardines, are you? Because you're not going to get the elevation that you're going to get. Naturally, when you get up, you're going to have to give yourself the elevation. But it's like... It, that, and the funny thing is, is that's not even the only incident because, again, today there was a controversy about a red card in the Wells game. But obviously, I'm not going to try and, and, and divert to that. That's another subject on its own. But it's just like there's been a couple of incidents of refereeing in this tournament where it's just been like, come on. And I mean, the, the opening day is an example. Um, who, was, who, was, who, were the, who were the first teams that were playing again? It was... Um, England, right? Oh, you mean the opening games? Yeah, Turkey, the opening game, Turkey, yes. Uh, Italy. I remember there being a controversy in that with a refereeing decision as well. So there's been there's been quite a few in this tournament. But if this is the way football's going, I think the game's gone, to tell you the truth. It's on its way out. Because is it VAR that's supposed to be there to help improve the game? Do you know what I'm saying? Although I feel like the 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 human aspect of it has gone completely and that's needed but that's a it, it depends i think that's more come down to it to a personal opinion than than just what i think okay rod do you give that is that a pen you said the sterling one wasn't it? is this one a pen no 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 it's just not it's, it's just not penalty. you need to jump your arms it's impossible to jump without your arms impossible Okay, fair enough. Plus, you need to protect yourself. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just a joke. It's I think, joke. I think, if he doesn't have a bloody nose, the referee ain't going to go to VAR. They're not going to check. <laughs> but because he, he he cut his nose, that's it. He was down, holding his nose, blood everywhere. Oh my god, panic, panic, panic. This body's in a short space. There's, there's going to be contact. There's, you know, centre half. You know, Stez will tell you back in the day. Bloody nose, cut eyebrow, standard now. It's take your shirt off, stop the game, sweep your shirt, wipe all the blood up. It's just crap. Steve, penalty for you? No, no, not a penalty for me, no. No, very much what, what Rodri said, really. Not for me, no. Um, I don't know if you're going to come to it, but uh, I thought it was a stick-on penalty for Spain that they got, got awarded. Uh, if we're talking about penalties, but um, Danny Murphy and I'm sure there'll be others would, uh, said it wasn't, but he didn't actually say why it wasn't. But that, you know, so obviously there's always going to be the grey area. But they have got the VAR now to, to make their own choices, and uh, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you all. You you just never know. You, you no, nothing is really ever a certainty these days. So uh, I'm never. It's lost it lost a bit of excitement for it. I'd, I'd, I'd wipe it out and go back to the referee. And risk human error, but I know the uh, the people at the top of the game uh, were screaming for this for so long, and now we've got it. We're not happy, so it's, it looks like it's here to stay. We'll just get on with it. But no, that wasn't a penalty. Still, no. 
Fair enough. All right. Let's go to that Spain game then. Because, again, I don't think there's much to discuss. Moretta actually scored. I can't believe it. And Gunny, you, you being a, a Chelsea fan, you, you're not used to seeing that that happen much. No. You know, no. when Moretta was playing for you guys. But he, he scored a goal. Okay, was it really his goal? <laughs> you know what? I'm sure, I'm sure at this point he's going to take it however he of can course. get it, man. To be honest with you. And, and Morata, as much as, as much as I've been guilty of bantering him, you know, I'm happy, I'm, I'm happy for him that he's actually gone elsewhere and he's found at least, I don't know if he's found form, but at least he's found some kind of peace of mind because the way, the way Premier League fans can be and the way Chelsea fans can be, the stick that he was getting after all those misses clearly messed up with his confidence. And he was just, he was just never the same guy afterwards. So, you know, he, quote unquote, he got his goal. I'm happy for him, you know. Okay, fair enough. And um, Steve, this Spain squad is very, very inexperienced when it comes to international football. Um, so I, for me, it isn't much, a, much of a surprise that they haven't been coasting this group. That being said, it is Spain. They've got some fantastic players in that squad. So are we looking at more like a transitional phase, given that the best players are pretty much gone now? Ramos is gone, Puyol, Iniesta, Xavi, they, they've all they've all gone, haven't they? They've all gone. Um, they can all play the 10-yard pass next door to a teammate uh, consistently. Uh, half of the team enjoy switching play, and I put Thiago in that as well, even though he didn't wasn't involved the other night. Uh, but in the meantime, whilst you're passing it 10 yards to a teammate or, or floating, driving a ball across the pitch, the opposition, like Sweden did in their first game too, they're just getting back and defending the penalty area. Coupled with the fact that they've not got any real cutting edge in the team and in the squad as a centre-forward, um, you can see why why Spain haven't picked up um, any, any, any big three points yet because they've got nobody who can play the last pass. Um, into the box centrally and they don't look like they've got anybody who can possibly get on the end of it although obviously the, the Morata got one the other day and they seem only likely to score from across and it's great when that happens and we know it's a big part of the game but um, you know the best teams now are driving into the front middle of the, right through the front door if you like of the penalty area and you know very you know let's use England's goals as an example which was Phillips driving from midfield, Sterling coming for out to win, and he basically scored from the penalty spot uh, on a through ball. Now, that's not going to happen for Spain because they're too busy keeping possession deep, switching play and trying to cross it, and the opposition are comfortable at six foot four centre half, six foot four goalkeepers, and uh, seven or eight of the team back helping in the middle of the 18 yard box, just heading and clearing the ball out. And that's what their last two opponents have done, and Spain have looked very predictable. Yeah, that's right. And you know what you said about England, how, you know, Trippier left back and the system that you mentioned, the first game against Croatia, and how many times have England played that system or played with those players together? Same applies for, for Spain, Rod. If you look at that Spain team, Laporte was in at centre-back three months ago. He's French. <laughs> no, yeah. no, he's Spanish, you know. Rodri came in back in the team. No Busquets. Uh, Gerard Moreno got his chance. Daniel Olmo got his chance. Pedri got his chance. Llorente, um, I think, was playing at right-back, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right there? Well, he was playing right back yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So again, you don't really see that. So Enrique has—he's got a big job on his hands. Man, this is a, a national team with a big reputation. It reminds me how Spain were back in the the early nineties. Remember when they had Raúl Morientes and they had all these different. They had the Zubizarreta and goal. They went to France ninety eight and was it Nigeria that knocked them out in France ninety eight? 
when Sunday Malise scored that goal. I can't remember. So back then it was like oh, they're the almost team. You know, they've gone back well, to there's, that. A, there's, a, there's always there's always a big team that always fails to qualify. They're they're looking like you know, if they don't get some cutting edge up top, and I don't know where they're going to get it from, because, you know, Maratin certainly isn't it. We've seen that over the years. So we talked about a couple of, a few days ago, they just miss a, a, a guy up top, because, you know, if they had a Harry Kane or a Lewandowski, they'd, they'd, be, they'd be comfortable through now. So, but, yeah, like Stez said, teams are on some now and just defend deep and, and they can pass you to death, but it's fine because they're not going to sort of cause any damage anyway. So, yeah, it's a it's a big game for him because you know it'd be a, be a big loss if if Spain don't go through the next round because you know possession wise, what was the first first game eighty three or eighty four percent? You know, with that kind of percent percentage, you'd expect to to score at least a couple of goals, and and they didn't score any. So you know, it's it's a big game for him next game. There's there's a few you know big teams who've got big games coming up. Portugal, France, that's a big game. You know, Germany have got a big game coming up. Hot now, Spain have got a big game. England have got a big game. You know, these are must win games all out. These are big countries. Yep. All right, let's go to Group F, man. Let's go to Group F, and we'll begin with Hungary and France, one apiece, mate. Steve, uh, wow. The thing is, I I like Hungary for for, for various reasons. Um, and when they were put in this group, I thought, you know what? People are going to say they're going to get hiding, in which they did against Portugal. But as we as we discussed the other day, perhaps if the stamina levels and fitness levels were the same as Portugal, they probably were held on to a draw. Um, but against France, wow, they really stepped it up. And you know, credit must go to uh, Marco Rossi, the the uh, head coach of the Hungarian national team, because you know this is a guy that was wasn't pulling up trees in in, in Italy. He went to to Hungary to coach Honved. He won them their first league title in like 20 odd years. And then he got the national team job and qualified them for this tournament. And to get a draw against the French who, you know, against Germany, they, they, they looked flawless, didn't they? Big, big performance, big result, well-deserved. Definitely. And uh, obviously on the, at the back of a pandemic, which we're, we've suffered with, but we're hopefully the right side of now. I, I, it was amazing to see the crowd uh, that was like, you know, ridiculous. We've seen Iceland supporters in years gone by, you know, all singing. I mean, any genuine football supporters, but there just seemed to be a whole army of everybody on the same page, uh, hoping for the best, but not expecting, but all singing the songs. And it, it made for an unbelievable atmosphere. And uh, yeah, so credit to goes for them, for their endeavour and the heart. And uh, I think Germany beat them in Munich in midweek, though, uh, I think they will because obviously they look, look like they've kicked in now. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're overachieving still, even though they got thumped by Portugal. But to get that draw against France, to score a goal against them and to keep them at bay um, will feel like a victory in, in, in terms of satisfaction. But sadly, it's not it's not recognised on the, on the points board like that. But uh, I think they've run the race. I think Germany beat them in, uh, in the next game. And then uh, I'll let the lads talk about France. I think they're obviously explosive. They're, they're, they're amazing. You talk about Kante a lot. I think we deep down all like Pogba. Yeah, not completely, but I think we we know he, he's, he's a world-class footballer. And Griezmann too. But it just looks like they're waiting for Mbappé at all times. Um, and sometimes you can be that channeled into getting your 
star performer um, into the game to win the game, you actually forget what what got you in the team in the first place as a world-class player yourself. So they're certainly not a one-man team, but it looks like they look for Mbappe first and that also makes them predictable. And then if they can get it to him, he's off the mark. We know he's rapid. And if they can't get it to him, it's a second choice because I think they're almost programmed to get him in the game. And I think I think it looked quite obvious against Hungary that it was... Uh, borderline one-dimensional, even though they are a world-class team. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, Rod, I think in the last show, we, we discussed, discussed France and their possible, uh, you know, frailties defensively. We saw that with Hungary's goal, Pavard. He was run ragged all day. And I think he was on a yellow card early on in the game. So he, he was treading on eggshells. But just goes to show that if you get out of France, you know, they, they've got mistakes in them, man. They do get a bit nervy. Yeah, I was a bit harsh on Hungary saying it was going to be, you know, the whipping boys and to get a result like that against France. And they did take it to him. And you've obviously seen, you know, a weakness in, in France that we didn't see in the first game with Germany because obviously Germany didn't play to the calibre they did that they did yesterday. So they weren't really tested. And Hungary really tested them and they were putting the pressure, France. And, you, and you've seen some weaknesses there. So... You know, there's, there's things for other teams to work, to look at and, and to try and exploit for next game and, and, and things to France to work on because, you know, they didn't look great and, you know, France were expected to, to, to easily beat Hungary and then go into the next round really easily, really. And now they're going to be struggling and, and got a big game against Portugal and, you know, France could easily go out. That's right, Gooney. Um Steve mentioned killing Mbappe. Rodri spent 175 million pounds on Mbappe in his dream team, and is he even in? Is he even playing? I've, I haven't seen him yet. I haven't seen him yet. He was taking the piss out of me for signing De Bruyne for 63. De Bruyne only played 45 minutes and he scored. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But in all in all fairness, when is Mbappe going to show up in this competition? And the reason why I ask you this question is because it's going to segue me onto the, the, the Portugal-Germany game. And I think the answer is Semedo. But let's go into the, the question about Mbappe. When's he going to turn up? When Giroud starts over Benzema. Ooh, really? Even though Mbappe Listen, and, and Giroud have a little bit of a... No? It doesn't matter. You can, have, you can have as much issues as you want off the field. But on the field, if you know what your job is, you do your job. It's that simple. There's being professional and there's this and solving your problems off the field. Now I'm not, and this is, and I want to say this first things first. I don't think um, Giroud is a better player than Benzema. I do not. I just think in terms of the system, I feel that Giroud, what his strength is to in that team is to allow players like Mbappe, Guzman, Dembele, Griezmann, whoever it may be, run off him. I call him the wall pass in that French team and it works for them. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So if Benzema does get benched and mm -hmm. Giroud comes in, does Rodri um, get big points from Mbappe? Is Mbappe going to smash the granite at this tournament? I think Rodri will see better results. I do. I think Rodri will definitely see better results. So remember I said that, Rodri. You owe me a drink if it works, yeah? yeah. No, well, um, he, can't, he can't really grumble if he gets benched, really, because... He's not really done anything, has he? He's a centre forward. He's supposed to score goals. What's he scored? Any? None. No. So, yeah, he can't really complain. And Giroud, you know, look at the stats. They play, they win games. He plays, they win games because he brings other players into the better plays into play. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I think we're going to see Mbappe finally reach some kind of potential against Portugal. And the, the reason why I say this, Steve, is because against Germany, granted, Germany changed their system. They went 3-4-3. They went more attack-minded, but they recognised the the uh, flaws defensively that Portugal have, especially Semedo at right back. Now, I don't know if you remember the Champions League game between Bayern Munich and Barcelona when I think Bayern beat them 8-2 or something, wasn't it? A couple of seasons ago. Mm. Semedo's career was ended there and they ended up at Wolves somehow. Like, it's almost as if like his soul was taken and his body morphed into this, this Premier League player. I don't know how that happened. And he got himself into the Portugal team and every single, all five of Germany's goals, even the one that was disallowed, came from his side. So did they identify him as a weakness? And that's the side that Mbappe plays. So are we going to be, you know, reading a, like a eulogy in the, next, in the next couple of days? Well, first of all, do you think Samido will keep his place and play in the next game before he even gets picked and targeted? Well, Cancelo's not there. So do they have a right back? Um, no, no. But um, you can't imagine they would... I mean, I love, I love obviously Bernardo Silva, but you can't imagine it being Semedo and Bernardo Silva playing 10 yards from each other with Mbappe in the opposition team in the middle of them, you know, picking the ball up because, you know, it's, it's a mismatch physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I'll probably, I'll like to wait. I'm not so sure that Semedo plays. I'm not so sure that he'll play against Mbappe. They, they got Diego Dallo. They, they called him up to replace Cancelo. They got yeah. Diego Dallo, and he he did well for Milan last season, but he can't get in the Man United team ahead of Wan-Bissaka. And I'm going Wan-Bissaka... To suggest, I don't know about right back still, but I'm going to suggest that Bernardo Silva will keep his place for Portugal, but will not be playing right midfield with his left foot skill around Mbappe's athleticism at weekend. There'll be a different role for Bernardo Silva, is what I'm going to prepare to say. Okay. That's if, he's, that's if he's fit, because, you know, why would he bring him up at half-time? He might have a little niggle or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's like questioning why would he bring him up you know, at half-time, because he didn't really play really that bad. And... Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So you think um... he's got a little niggle? Uh, well, they brought Renato, Renato Sanchez for him, who's more like a defensive midfield, box-to-box midfield that can carry the ball forward. So it looked like it was a change of system because Rafa Silva came on, Moutinho came on as well. But it wasn't half-time, though. So I don't know, maybe they, they needed an extra man in the middle of the park to to, to support um, uh, Carvalho and Pereira. I don't know. Del, has Jota, has Jota ever played wide for Liverpool or for Wolves? Or is he always 9 and 10? He's played. He's played wide left for Liverpool mm-hmm. and, Wol- and Wolves. Because no, he works his socks off. He tried too hard in the first game, but you can imagine that being more of a help physically for Portugal against Mbappe on that left hand side for France and that right hand side for Portugal. So I wouldn't rule that out. out uh, rule that out, out. Rule that out either. Sorry, lads. Yeah. Yeah. True. Well, let's talk about Germany, Rod. Um, last game against France, they were non-existent, were they? It's almost as if they froze at the occasion. But I tell you what, that performance, especially you know the last twenty minutes of the first half and the first twenty of the second, unbelievable. Um, they were possessed, weren't they? Absolutely possessed. Even before the goal, they, they could have been two or three up. So you know, Gerson scored in the first in the fifth minute, didn't he? It was disallowed. Yeah. So. Oh, okay, yeah. 
and then you know France gone and and the head's gonna drop. No, they just kept going and yeah, it looked like a proper proper Germans Germany side and you know a team that's just starting to click and you know you don't want to click early on and and peak too early. You want to get into the tournament. It's like Germany slowly getting in. You know you'd expect them to beat Hungary and to probably. No, I don't know if they top the group if, if France win it or yeah if, if Portugal win, but they could top the group if they, you know because France and Portugal could easily be a draw. So yeah, you wouldn't want to play Germany in the next round anyway. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I think they identified some of those weaknesses. But, but then again, sorry, Steph, sorry for interrupting. No. You know, the way Hungary played against against France, if they turn up again and, and you know Hummels, you know he. he He's looked like he, he's not the quickest, so there's something to exploit there if he plays. So if Hungary turn up and play against they did against France and give problems like it did to the French defence, then you know. But you'd expect Germany if that Germany side turned up who played against Portugal, it'd be an easy three points for them. Yeah, and it, it seemed as if they identified the weakness at the back with Semedo because I saw Nabry starting as more more like a centre forward, but off the ball. He'd peel off into the right back area. Semedo would catch his eye. Semedo would follow him centrally, and then you got all that space on the on the, on the left wing, the, the right Portugal's right hand side, and that's where the where the danger came. Um, so I don't know if this was a, a deliberate ploy by Jurgi Love, um, but again, Germany were, were ruthless, and uh, Guerrero, some guy that some guy put him in his dream team at left back, saying that he's one of the best left backs in the world. He scored an own goal. Who did that? <laughs> Who put Guerrero in their dream team? Wasn't a good week for you, was it, Rod? Does not be captain out? I'm a captain out of an hamstring. Own goal. You know what, Yogi Love? You know what his team talk was? I know what it was. If you lose, you smell my fingers. And that was it. You woke them all up. <laughs> all right. Silver lining, though. The silver lining, though. Oh, oh, sorry, is we're the first whole nation to qualify. Great segue. Oh, there's a nice segue to Wales. Eh? Great segue. Switzerland beat Turkey 3-1. Italy beat Wales 1-0. It didn't make a lick of difference because the Boyos are through to the next round of the European Championships. Rodri, how <laughs> do you feel, young man? Yeah, it's good. He was a bit nervous at the start, but, but quietly confident. But um, no, it was um, you know when it was a poor sending off. You know we'll talk about it later. But it was poor sending off, and you know when you see in Switzerland score a goal, score a couple of goals, and you think, oh, and then we get a man sent off, and then Turkey scored, and then the boys dug in for the last 35, 40 minutes, and then last 10, 15 minutes, Italy seemed to be happy with a one 0 win. And, yeah, it's job done, really. You know, as I'll tell you, any competition, the next job is to get to the next round. And got Page has done that, and you know he's done a, a really good job in doing that because you know it's a difficult group, and we've come second in it. So yeah, it's well done to the boys. So who do they possibly play in the next round? Well, that's a good thing as well because if Belgium win the group, which probably they will do, we'll play either Finland, Denmark, or Russia. So it's not bad. Yeah, teams that we can, we can, we can win easily. But you know, usually we're the underdogs, and we're probably the favourites to win. I that would want to play Finland. Different. I would want to play Finland if I were you lot. Why? 
because everyone would expect you guys to win. Whereas if it was Russia, then they'd say, oh, well, you know, it's the Russians, PEDs and all that. You never know. We've, we've had a history against Russia as well. We've played a lot of games against Russia and they've really come on top. So, yeah, and Denmark, you know, it's not really a, a strong Denmark side, but, you know, the internationals now, they're all international players. So, especially in the cup, in the knockout competitions, it's not going to be easy, and especially if you're favourites, you're expected to win. So, yeah, it was just good to be in the in the next round and see what we get. Um, talk to me about the sending off, uh, Ampadu. For me, it did seem a little harsh, but then again, at the same time, you can see why it was a red when you see it in slow motion. Yeah, but these slow mos they make it always make it make it worse. Uh, at, at normal speed, it just looks it does look bad, but not like uh, Robert Earnshaw said on the, on the commentary. That's not going to injure or, or cripple you. It's going to hurt for a couple of minutes and you're going to carry on. It's just a ridiculous reel. And just, yeah, it's just a ridiculous reel. It's like we go on with the, the penalty we talked about before. It's just soft. It's just soft. Okay. Goonie, talk about Italy, mate. Uh, Verratti, back in the team with an assist. For me, he's one of the best central midfielders in the world. I think he's fantastic on the ball. His awareness is brilliant. Ball winner. Um, very, very underrated. Probably because of the team that he plays for. Um, he doesn't stand out as much as the bigger names. But I'll tell you what, he wouldn't look out of place in any team in the world, really, would he? No, he wouldn't at all. And I've always, and it's like you said, I've rated him as one of the top midfielders for years. Years and years. It's just the way he controls the game, man. He's just... He sets the tempo. He's so clean with his passing. His vision is absolutely fantastic. He's able to break lines with his pass. He's just a little maestro, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, so what else can we say about this Italian team that we haven't said before? I mean, they made a lot of changes. Uh, Belotti came in. Verratti, as I mentioned. Emerson came in left back. Um, but for me, Steve, there's one thing I need to ask you. Donnarumma going off in the 90th minute. Uh, is there a bit of spot fixing going on in this one, allegedly? Because that doesn't happen unless there's an injury. And, you know, Donnarumma didn't look like he needed to, to be carried off or anything like that. So I think maybe no. maybe uh, some Don Corleone has been saying, right, Roberto, you need to uh, take off your goalkeeper in the 91st minute. Otherwise, your well, family... Hmm. <laughs> Roger mentioned it before. I don't, I don't know. It was a bizarre one, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, then again, didn't David James play up front once for City? Didn't Thank he bring him off? Yeah. They, they yeah. him on to play him up front. And that was to get that was to get in Europe for the first time for for many, many years for City. And and, and his he was the, the worst centre forward you've ever seen. He got a kit made for him uh, to go and play up front against Middlesbrough. But then well, worse, than, worse than Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, worse than Usain Bolt. Honestly, it would have been, you know, any of the guys on oh. soccer aid, he was horrendous. Um, but we got a penalty in the last minute to get into Europe and Robbie Fowler missed it. Robbie Fowler missed it. So, uh, mm. in, in, you know, Stuart Pearce would have been a genius had Robbie Fowler scored that. But uh, as it was, he was left with his little beanie horse mascot in the technical area. <laughs> and he failed again that year. Jesus Christ, <laughs> they lived happily ever after. Um, yeah. But in all fairness, you know, I think, you know, Italy deserved to to win the group. They played by oh, yeah. far the best football in, 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 the, in the group. But listen, 
I don't think any Welshman would be disappointed with the, the tournament so far. It's been a great tournament for them. And the last time we did the European Championship show, they got to the semi-finals, didn't they, Rod? So maybe, maybe you might go one further this year. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a big ask, depending on who you, who you get. And, you know, once, it's like we've been proved in 2016, once you get a knockout, you know, no one expects us to beat Belgium, but we beat out Belgium, so... Anything can happen, you know. You've got players like Ramsey and Bell and Bale, especially Ramsey in form. You know, Bale also a couple of goals. He missed the penalty and he should have scored that one. You know, I fancy Stez with that one on his left foot. So yeah, I would. Yeah, um, he's just leaned back and, and tried to stanchion it. He's just got a side foot that and it's it on target to goal. So, but you know, bring it on. Finals a bit, you know. You want to head yourself there. Goalie's playing well, Rod. Goalie's playing well. Whoa. Yeah, the goal, goalie's playing. Goalie's playing really. And rolled on the, the centre half for, for Tottenham. The t- both centre halves. It looked solid. Done really well. Joe Allen was carrying Joe Allen today. He was clumsy, giving away silly fouls. No, he carried him today. But when you look at Italy's lineup today, it was okay. I wouldn't say it was a second string, fully second string, but. They rested a lot of key players, yet they got the result. It was a it was a convincing performance. Okay, Bale had a great chance second half, um, but apart from that, I can't really think of when Wales really Ramsey one on one. Yeah, Ramsey's chance. Yeah, that's right. But the, the one thing I will say is that again, I'm repeating myself because I said it in the last show, Italy have gone was it eleven clean sheets, twelve clean sheets in a row, something like that. But we haven't seen them go a goal behind. How would they react if and when they do go a goal behind? I think that's the, the true acid test in terms of the their, their attitude. Well, you, I, I think well, I think they'd be more intense, more intense. And you see them when they lose the ball, how they quit, they, they all get it back. I think you know we, we'd probably see a, a different, a, a, a more intense Italy side. I'd probably like to see that and see how, see how they do handle it, but. You know, we know we've talked about it before. Mancini works rigorously, rigorously on defensively shape, shape, shape. So they all know where they're supposed to be, and that's why they, they talk about eleven clean sheets because he works on it religiously. Stead will tell you that for me. Do you know what? Unfortunately, I can't bring up the conversations in the chat at the moment. I don't know why because Zoom doesn't let me do it. Streamyard does, but everyone is having this massive. I wouldn't say row, but they're having a massive discussion about the Italian midfield. You know, Verratti to replace who, Jorginho to replace who, and Locatelli. So, as we can see, the Italians are pretty... We've got uh, the kid who scored two goals as well. Locatelli, yeah. Yeah. They're stacked in the middle. Stacked in the middle, mate. You know, Enrico Chiesa played today, came on. He did well on the right-hand side. But the way they play, mate, if that's that's what you want, if, you know, if they are going behind, they can... Bring three midfielders all of the same caliber and just a bit fresher. And so I'm excited to see if they do go behind and see how they handle it. Mm. Gunny, talk to me about Jorginho because in the chat they're talking about him at the moment. There's a big debate about him. What do you make of the chat now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Joe, I I rate him. I I rate him. I think he he did a fantastic job at Napoli Napoli under Sari. And he's had, what, three different managers at Chelsea? And again, he doesn't look out of place. And look, I'll say this, like I, t- I keep saying this, Kovacic is a Rolls-Royce of a midfielder. 
I, mm-hmm. I, I fully rate him. And those two complement each other so well. So tell me, what do you think of Jorginho? Um, Jorginho has done in this tournament what I've expected him to do. And that's play that, um, I don't know, people like to call it the register role or whatever. They, he, he, he plays it well. Because, you know, you see the thing is with what makes Jorginho such a good player for me. It's just that he keeps things simple when he needs to keep it simple. He always knows where his man is. And it also helps to have two midfielders as technical as Barella and Locatelli next to you. So those guys, they're even their ability to find space. And Jorginho, the other thing is as well with him, is it's like he's like a little conductor. He's helping players around him constantly. So he's always letting players know where to be, come a bit short or go a bit deeper. So he's that kind of controller sort of guy. And he just looks like he can do it anyway. He's, do, he's, he's done it at Chelsea. He did it well. He's doing it here at Italy. So the more, so as long as they keep him fit, I think, as long as they keep him fit and going, they've got a very good chance in this competition. Italy looked like the best drilled um, team for me so far, certainly. Um, right. Um, I think that's pretty much it, isn't it, in terms of, Reviewing games. Is there is anything I've missed? Any games we've missed? A little bit of Holland. Holland. We did that the other day, didn't they? Because they played Austria. Yeah. We did that because we were watching the game live at the time. Yeah. So we, we did that one. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it, isn't it, gents? I can't think of anything else. I mean, there was the, the, the Hungary goal where they scared the female commentator behind the goal. I think we yeah. missed the guy that flew into the stadium and then crash landed on someone. Um, Morata's penalty we can talk about surprised anyone no no surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right okay so let, let's end it with the uh, a, a quick preview of the games that's left then so tomorrow there's there's four games five o'clock and then eight o'clock UK time uh, group C North Macedonia against Netherlands Ukraine against Austria I'll tell you what, ukraine Austria will be a good game, man. It's going to be a very good game. That'll be a good game. And I wonder if Yeremchuk's going to get on the score sheet again, the traditional number nine, the Duncan Ferguson of the Ukraine. Of Ukraine, sorry. Austria, Austria, Ukraine, and what? What's the game? North Macedonia against Netherlands. Memphis Depay signed for Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that today. Yeah, surprised anyone? He's got a second chance now, a big big club and see how he performs. He seems to like... Be a bit more experienced, a bit more mature. So, you know, it's, it's a good place to play football. New camp. I, I felt sorry for me United because he, he came on the back of a good. Was it? A, was it a World Cup? It was a World Cup, wasn't it? Some players are just two and two. You know, Manchester is a big, massive club. It's the same thing with Lewis. Ah, it's just too early. It's too early. It doesn't mean a bad player. They just need to go back and and do it somewhere else. Okay. Well, um, one more thing before I wrap it up, gents. Um, does anyone want to talk about the Tottenham managerial situation? I know like this is, this is a, a Cypriot team podcast, but we've always got Spurs fans watching. Um, Gattuso is, is the front runner for the Spurs job. Oh, boy. I thought there was a fan backlash and they've come off that now. Was that? I thought there was a fan backlash for Gattuso and they've come off that now. I don't know, the, the director yeah, of football is I Italian. Heard that. I heard that as well. So the Spurs fans don't want him, so get Daniel Levy succumbed to the pressure. Well, there's a few There's a few uh, British pundits now saying to stick with um, the regime that finished the season, with, with Mason. Do they want to get relegated? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. I think it's, it's embarrassing, though. It's embarrassing. I, I don't understand... 
how how a club like that has got to this level. It's getting like a banter club, isn't it? It's getting like an Arsenal now. Banner They're going to get Eddie Howe. They're yeah, going to get could. your mate. They could. They're going to get Rod's mate, Eddie Howe. Goonie, talk to me, man. What, what's, what's happening? I mean, Chelsea have had shit ton of managers, but you seem to be winning things. But Spurs can't even get a manager. And the one that they eventually wanted, he changed his mind. Well, with, with, with Spurs, I think it's a situation where um, they, they, they were kind of, they shot themselves in the foot after, um, obviously, they were spoke with Pochettino, the guy who reached the Champions League final, albeit he didn't win it, but still, he showed them promise. And then they went from there and then they hired Jose Mourinho. So I think with the Spurs fans, it's sort of like, we've dined a little bit at the top table now. We don't really want to take any more steps back. So now you're going to start to see backlash from the fans when you're starting to mention names that are not so, quote unquote, um, the glamorous top names. So that's what I think is the case of what's going on here now. But it's just the case of Spurs being Spurs, isn't it? And it's hilarious to see. Sorry if there's any Spurs fans in the chat. <laughs> well, Rafa, Rafa Benitez is apparently close to getting the Everton job. Why don't they go for him instead? Why don't Spurs go for him? I would have thought so. That would have been that would have been a sensible um, acquisition there because we've seen um, him come into clubs time and time again and steady the ship and um, actually have some kind of foundation to build from. I think Spurs would need that. And I also think they have to, they have to try and keep Harry Kane. It would be tough, it'd be very tough with the interest in him. And he's already come out and said that he's going to leave. But I think their saving grace in this whole thing is if that they show a bit of ambition with the manager, he might stay. Okay, wonderful. But if I'm Harry Kane, I'm like watching all this happening. I'm like, get on the age and get me the fuck out of there. <laughs> Thanks. Can you imagine the Tottenham Hotspur announcements? New manager, Jamie oh, O'Hara. Come on, they've gone from they've gone from Gattuso to they've named every other manager under the sun. Now Klinsman's begging for the job. Oh no, Levy won't give it me. So yeah, Big Sam will roll up next. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to give you a name, and you're going to laugh, Sergei Rebrov. He's won, he's won two league titles at Ferenc Varos in Hungary. Got into the Champions League. Former Spurs player. £11.5 million did fuck all. He might come back in as head of coach. No, Steve is shaking his head. You never know, man. <laughs> never... No, just not for me, that's all. Exactly. There's something Tottenham would do. They'll look at Christian Gross. Where did he come from? Well, they come with the fucking ticket oh, again. Steve, are you a Spurs fan? Not at all. Okay, all right, sorry, because I thought you were Spurs fans and I did all of that. <laughs> no, no, no. Even, even Stezzy's walls are uh, sky blue. Yeah. Um, does anyone, can, can we quickly, quickly, quickly talk about Carl Lafferty? Carl Lafferty has joined the team in Cyprus, one of, uh, one of my team's rivals. He's joined them, 33 years old. He's joined them from Kilmarnock, I think. Good player, yeah. No. Should, should I be should I be scared of him like I was scared of Joe Garner? No, same feeling. <laughs> Got no worries whatsoever. All right. No. Right, gentlemen, thank you very much. It's been an absolutely fantastic show. Thank you, everyone in the chat. I'm sorry I couldn't get your comments up on the screen. I'm gonna look on Google. If anyone knows how I can put the comments up through Zoom, that'll be great. StreamYard we wanted to do, but the sound quality is shit. Um 
so yeah, I, I don't know if anyone knows how we can how we can do that, but thank you everyone for, for contributing. I mean, the chat was has been going crazy, especially with the Jorginho comments. But yeah, um, before I wrap it up, uh, Guni, socials, anything you want to promote? Um, so the the Instagram, sorry, Instagram, the YouTube channel is exactly what is written here. Man knows football, not difficult to find. Be right there. The same with the Instagram, man knows football. Um, the Twitter just dropped the S because they didn't allow me to have um, all the characters, and that's where you'll find me. Wonderful. Rod, what, what, what's your social media? All the, all the good stuff. Oh, James Giggs. Lovely. Steve doesn't use social media because he's smart. <laughs> doesn't get embroiled and all that kind of shit. Wonderful. That's it for us for another show. So until next time. When we, when we are next. Uh, uh, oh, when's the next round of games? So we've got today. Yeah, England so played Tuesday. England played Tuesday. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. We could do Wednesday Tuesday, night. Wednesday. Wednesday. Can I say what? Can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah. Just big up all of the followers in the chat because I'm just looking at them. So big up every single one of them that's in the chat. That's you know contributing. They've been brilliant. They've been yeah. absolutely brilliant. So shall we go? When shall we go Wednesday night? Shall we go Wednesday night? Wednesday night. Yeah. Goonie up for it. I'm up for it Wednesday. I'm up for it 100%. I won't be late this time. I promise. You guys have my <laughs> Don't worry. So there you go, gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone tuning in. Come back Wednesday night, 9.30 UK time, and we'll be live again. And we'll, we'll read out your comments. Because if I can't get them on the screen, I'll read them out instead. All right. So that's Just it. Stuff. Thank you very much. Brother.